Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. New team! News team! Assemble! And bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, welcome back. It is the unofficial 40 podcast right here on Soonerscoop.com. And we're happy to have everybody back in studio today as uh, we get ready for Kansas State this week in... uh, the entire gang, as I said, is uh, joining us and um, out at practice last night. I thought it was pretty interesting. Bert Venables has already had his uh, press conference this week. You heard from Ted Roof and uh, Jeff Levy earlier. Uh, but uh, guys, yesterday I thought it was kind of interesting. We all noticed it, but out at practice just waiting on uh, guys to interview. And uh looked like the defense had some type of... Uh, I don't know how you would describe it, what you would call it, but it was a, a team meeting going on late after practice, and guys were taking their turns, kind of talking to the group. It was almost like you felt like, well, the offense was nowhere to be found. So obviously, the offense kicked the defense's ass at practice yesterday. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, I, I mean, the offensive guys had come and gone. We'd already talked Dylan Gabriel, so we're sort of waiting. Defense guys start filtering in, and then you start seeing. Justin Broyles talk, and then you start seeing Billy Bowman talk, and you're hearing Reggie Grimes, and you're just seeing that they're not a come-to-Jesus meeting necessarily, but it, it whatever focus wasn't there perhaps Tuesday afternoon, making sure they get it corrected here going into Wednesday and going throughout the rest of the week. It was certainly a heart-to-heart, and you guys had noted, because I was over talking to Dylan Gabriel yesterday, and I... I guess Miguel Chavis had a had, Miguel had Chavis a, uh, had a, he had a moment. I don't know about an expletive rant, but a it, he coming was, to Jesus. He was definitely yelling at him. I don't know, but I think that it's. I'm guessing it was a. You're three games in. You aren't shit. You got a big game coming up this week. I, I and I know you guys Kansas don't State. think they're any good because they just lost to Tulane. Yeah, it was kind of the... It's Especially kind of, their offense. Yeah. You don't think it's any good. Right. And it's from a point of... You know, I'm, I'm really interested to get into the Kansas State stuff this week because I don't know what's going on with Adrian Martinez. I listened to one of the post-game uh, wrap-up shows with... Uh, you listen the, to Fitz's, right? Yeah, the great Tim Fitzgerald. And the basically the synopsis was if they struggle in the first half, you have to seriously think about benching Adrian Martinez because he's not the guy that they've signed up for. And, you know, I I think everybody thought that Kansas State was going to be good coming into the season. I still think that they're a pretty good football team. They just happened to play a bad game last week. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's the best team Oklahoma's played. Yeah. Coming in on Saturday night. And let's bring Josh in here too. Josh, I mean, uh, Adrian Martinez, OU fans uh, had seen him a year ago, uh, but... You know, is a Nebraska quarterback, and I think because of the closest the closeness of that game, I think a lot of people started to think, 
okay, this is a pretty good quarterback, but there's a lot of people in the Big Ten that watched him play that are just like, well, that guy's that guy's the reason Nebraska's not any good. He he's so I don't know. And part of it, I think, is me being biased because I was a big fan of Adrian out of high school. Like I thought yep. that was a guy that I think a lot of Caleb OU Kelly's fans quarterback. He was by the almost way. Was. exactly. He was uh, almost OU's quarterback after Cameron Rising. Yeah, exactly. He I, I really thought he was going to be the guy for a while there, and then OU just kind of <clears throat> apparently very um, you know very awarely and astutely said you know no thanks we're, we're going to go in a different direction. Um, so I think I kind of always, I can't not view it from that lens a little bit, but guys, I mean, part of me is, I, I, I struggle to believe that Adrian Martinez can't have a good season, a good, you know, role. It's, but I mean, if Chris Kleiman can't come up with it, I don't know who can. Like, I felt like that was perfect. Like, this is going to be a great marriage. The... The idea of, uh, you know, an edge trying to choose between Deuce Vaughn and Adrian Martinez, that's a nightmare that you don't want to live in. And yet they can't get anything going offensively. I mean, against a, a Tulane team where we can talk about Tulane, you know, oh, yeah, they gave OU trouble last year in Norman. Yeah, they gave that defense trouble. Every, quarterback gave, every quarterback gave OU yeah. trouble last year. I mean, that's the thing. It's like... <laughs> You know, I mean, Casey Thompson gave OU trouble last year, and, and he gave them trouble for exactly one series, uh, a, you know, a week ago. So at, at one point you have to say, okay, well, if this defense and Brent Venables is what we think he is, they're going to handle Adrian Martinez without a problem. And maybe that's what Miguel Chavis and, yes. and the defensive uh, players got done yesterday is they're like, guys, we've got to go in and play our asses off if we're going to make him look, you know, as normal as he should look. The expectations are flipped compared to last week where Nebraska's offense was so good. You're like, well, if they win 42-28, that's okay. Some people were talking about the Pratt kid as an All-American after he played (laughs) OU last year. Now you're saying if Kansas State scores more than 14 points, what's wrong with this defense? And I I think that's a good flipping mindset right I mean I it feels like the Oklahoma defense has uh, made a turn for the better uh at the same time though I think it's almost like I, I was telling Todd Lisby this morning it's like I think it's a little bit of PTSD but I'm just waiting for that that crack to finally happen. exactly and we haven't seen it through three games which is obviously well that was what's so weird about Nebraska is right. like you were waiting for the well, other th- shoe to drop and it didn't well but it, on the first drive and I looked at Dylan Buckingham on the sidelines <laughs> there and I was like yes that's that's what it but I'm used Brent, to it. See, like, here's what you like, got, here Brent. This is, is what here this is, is what you didn't know that you know now. <laughs> Do you guys uh, realize guys, I mean there was PTSD for oh, real on that because they switched up to a three down front and I was like, oh God. Like I mean, like and I did. You could see me on Twitter. I'm like, this is not happening. Why are they doing this? Yep. And then you're like, oh no, no, Brent Brent's really good. Brent like Brent knew what he was doing here. There's clearly a plan here. So I sorry to interrupt you, Eddie, but no, like, I, I, I went through the same thing. I was like Oh, Jesus, here we go. Like, I mean, it really was just a holy crap, we're back in this again. It is kind of amazing. We talked to the players about this on Monday. We talked to a a number of defensive guys just as far as, like, you get to the sideline. I have the shot that I put in uh, the sights and sounds. Brent gets everybody together, and it was almost kind of a calming, like, it's going to be okay. They were going to score at some point. Let's regroup. And then they come out, and it's punt, 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 you know, bumble, punt, 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 punt,
It was amazing. It was a really good performance. Do you, two things. One, the Kansas State stuff. Do you guys realize what they were on third and fourth down last week? Well, I know they kept going for it. They were three for 20 combined <laughs> on third and fourth downs. They were one for five on fourth downs yeah. and like, I guess, whatever. This was K-State. For, yeah, K-State. I mean, they went for fourth down many times and never, I mean, Tulane stuffed them. Well, if Adrian Martinez just pitches the ball to Deuce McAllister on that fourth and one at midfield. The final one, yeah. They probably pick it up. I I don't know. It was a horrible. Neither here nor there. there. Uh, defensively, though, Josh, I know that uh, you weren't on the postgame show with us, but what a performance that was up in uh, Lincoln. Uh, I wasn't hurt by the lack of an invite. I definitely wasn't hurt. It didn't. I didn't keep score of that at I all. I mean, so Eddie, uh, I would have invited you, fine. but then that would have been three people in three <laughs> different locations, and I just, you know. If it makes you feel it's better, fine. Josh, I sat next to Eddie and couldn't be on it. <laughs> and had to listen to the whole thing. Bob, you know, and you're well, only, only half of it side he, of it, which is terrifying. He could only listen to half of it because yeah. he didn't get to hear me. <laughs> uh, but no, um, guys, the thing I came away with that, that really – I, I don't know. I, I'd be interested to hear how you guys thought about it. I didn't think any single player had a dominant performance. Like I didn't think anybody was like, "Oh, that that guy was the guy." I, Billy Bowman was really good, but kind of in an understated way. It wasn't, you know, he didn't make a lot of big flashy plays, but he's just so steady. He's so important to that defense, and I think he is. You know, I think I said it in the report card. He's one of the huge reasons this defense isn't giving up big plays. Like because he is always there to clean up the mess. Strangely enough, I. I I, th- I believe this. Deshaun White was having his best performance he, oh, as a Sooner far. until he got kicked out of the game. He was. 100%. Yes. Which is, I, and, and I, I, it, it's kind of a positive moving forward, though, because I, sure. he's not a guy they're going to just completely take off the field. Even though you walk out of there and you go, oh, my God, Jaron Kanick, I want more. I need more. <laughs> it's the church of Kanick. But at the same there time, was... I, you know, you're right. I, I do think that like Reggie Grimes had a great game, even though you look at the box score and you probably wouldn't think that he had this like just unbelievable performance. By the way, the, the defensive ends were the ones that left the field last last night. Like, yeah, they that's even a, after the rest of the defense thing. left, the defense was still there. But I mean, you have to know like how big this game is for those guys. Like they might be the biggest key. To the defense of you know playing well, and we should point out Kansas that State. or Mason Thomas has been out about out there he was at out there practice so, yeah. mm-hmm. both Monday and Tuesday. Hammy seems to be okay. I now. think that was more of a precaution. Yep. You're okay because mm-hmm. he was there. He traveled with the team. He just didn't suit. Kind of like Key Lawrence the, the game right before. Right. Who? Yeah, he, I thought he Key made Lawrence the video really of the nice Nebraska, game. the Nebraska administrators that were like, "Holy crap, those guys are a lot bigger than we are." So. Uh, yeah, he, I, I saw him in the tail and I was like, oh, he was there. And then I realized you guys had tweeted something out before the game. So I think you're right, uh, though, Josh, in saying that there wasn't anybody that was just dominant, but there were flashes, yeah, it, whether it be like a Kanai Walker. I thought he made a really nice open mm-hmm, field tackle. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Key Lawrence had a really, a couple really nice plays. I thought, you know, as poorly as it started for Harmon, he came back and bounced back after the opening series and played well. There's just a, it, it's almost like it's, one it's somebody else each time which mm-hmm. i don't know to me is that the sign of a growing defense when it's not just one player each time like somebody put up on the board looking at sacks and i know sacks is kind of a, an interesting metric in that it doesn't it's not the end all be all but you look at last year and through three games 
Do you guys know how many sacks they had last year through three games? I'm going to guess three. Well, they had, <laughs> uh, since I was doing the Isaiah Thomas show, I was compiling all the sacks. Benito would have had enough. Uh, like, they had, a, they had a couple against Pratt, against Tulane. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think who they played next. Western. Western oh, yeah, Carolina. that was so. That doesn't count. <laughs> the, it doesn't count, but they had at least two in that. They, I know they had even a strip sack recover. So I'll just guess five. They had 13. Wow. 13 really? sacks. 13 okay. sacks through three games. Do you know how many they have this year? 13? 13. 13. Which, I think on the, Eddie, on the... Eddie's coming with some stats today. I think I on mean, the surface, it, it, you, it's kind of eye-popping, but at the same time, Benito had two and a half. Isaiah Thomas had two and a half. Winfrey had two and a half. Grimes Redmond had one and a half each. Ellison and Co. had one. Corey Robertson had 0.5, so he had a half sack. This year, Reggie Grimes has four. Downs has two and a half. Stutzman has one. Wegbu, Laulu, Redmond, White, Colden all have one. Or Mason Thomas has half. So, I mean, I don't know. It just feels like there's more guys making a difference right now. But the tackles for loss number... Far different. I mean, it is. Right. it's astronomical. Yes. Reggie okay. Grimes has six. Danny Stutzman has four. <laughs> well, to four. me, yeah, that's the most impressive thing is like, you, you, we, we said it like, okay, the, you, they lost the best part of their defense to the draft, yet they're better at tackles yeah. for loss. Like, well, and they're, but they're, because they're tackling. Like, does it just come down to Well, they're, they're tackling they're, behind the line of scrimmage. Right. Which they're is bringing impressive. guys down. <laughs> yeah. But I, I mean, in, you know, I, the quote from Bosworth is like running out there, like, oh, you tweeted it out. And look, you I remember some giggle. Made some giggle. <laughs> I remember, like, there was a time when Alex Grinch's defense was swarming. Like, and you were like, okay, this is, looks a little bit better than it has in the past. So it's not like it's all been shit since you know Brent left. And when Brent left, it wasn't great either. I mean, that you're coming off the Robert Griffin you know game where you got toasted in the secondary. Uh, but again, that's like Brent was basically by the time he left, he was the only one recruiting on that defense. I mean, Jackie Ship had quit. Bobby Jack Wright was old. Jackie Ship wasn't hitting the the recruiting trail. You're saying, <laughs> yeah. But so I mean, like he was building his own team without any help, yeah. basically. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the, to lose those guys and to come back, it shows you more. I think about Brent and Ted Roof and this defense and their scheme, uh, and just you know. It's not even scheme to me. I mean, we all saw it when we started watching practice. Like, these guys practice really hard. Sure. And they demand an intensity out of the players that we've never seen. Well, it kind of goes back into the spring and stuff that we were talking about, how it's just different. Like, I, you can't describe it any differently than saying that everything around the program right now is completely different. And we talked about that on the post game, just as far as, like, the excitement for this defense – and I, you know, I don't think it, it speaks probably more so to the defensive side of the football and how excited everybody is when the thing that you want to talk about coming out of Lincoln is the defense when the offense put up 49 points in three, two and a half, two and a half quarters. They basically. stopped, they yeah. stopped two playing a, two and a, two and a quarter of a quarter, a quarter. basically <laughs> like Davis Bevel's running out there with seven eleven left. And I was like, holy shit, this is mop up time. 
in the second half just And they started. treated it like mop-up time. They, like, sure. didn't, they yeah. ran the ball. They didn't do much sure. offensively after Fourth that and point. four, Barnes right up to the Oh, I was re-watching the game yesterday on uh, YouTube when we were up here at the office, uh-huh. and I got to like about that point in the third quarter, and I was like, okay, uh, I don't think I'm done with this. This is, this is not what I want to watch anymore. No, but I mean, in, in Bob and Josh, I mean, like that's the other thing that is intriguing about this game because I'm like, Okay, what can OU get to on offense uh, points-wise that makes you say, wow, that was really impressive? I think it's in the 30s. Like, if they get into the 30s, that'd be like scoring, you know, 50s against most people, I would think. Um, But the fact that Jeff Lebby, like, we could see how much he... Like, the Nebraska game opened up our eyes to how much he was holding back the first couple of games. And they put up all those points, and we know Dylan wasn't at his best. And he said that... Tuesday night. He knows he missed a lot of throws that didn't hurt Saturday, but you do that again against the Wildcats, and you, you might be in a different situation. And what something's got to give in terms of Kansas State having seven picks, Gabriel having zero. We'll see is Gabriel better than the rest of the what the Wildcats secondary has, or is KSU just a team that's been able to figure out what quarterbacks like to do and be able to pounce on it and then make this game completely different? As far as the offensive side of the ball goes, Josh, and this was kind of, I think, the question that everybody wanted to ask. We did ask after the game, kind of hit on it on Monday and Tuesday with the players. Eric Gray was awfully the short in his answer. Line. Well, he knew that you were standing there. Eric Gray was awfully short with his answer. He knew you were standing there, and he, he, was ready to, he was ready to pounce. Did Wanye Morris just completely change everything? And, you know, obviously he wasn't in for the long Dylan Gabriel run, but it did seem like once he came in, I don't know if it was just a coincidence. Bob, I think you asked uh, McCade about this, but it seemed like everything just kind of slowed down for everybody up front, and they just... They were opening holes on that. Like the the first drive, even Josh, and you noted this on the Monday morning idiot. It was like, okay, he gets six. He picks up nine. There were holes being made there. But when Wanye Morris came in, it just seemed like everything was right. It it looked to me, it looked more physical, right, from the start. I mean, like, and I mean the offensive line in general looked better. I thought when Wanye came in, I mean, guys, you and I, it's the play I keep coming back to. That run where Marcus Major runs into the end zone and like, and I, Eddie, I think he was right in front of your camera, and he's like, "Too easy, too easy," or something yeah, like that. Like, he was. It, it was. I mean, you could tell he got there and was like, "How the hell is this hole here?" Like, there. I mean, guys, this is no exaggeration. Any of the four of us could have scored on that run. Like, it, it was that basic and simple for him because of what it opened up and a big part of it was just Wanye coming down on the guy across from him so it was uh, I thought it was clearly better I wonder a little bit if it's just a matter of Tyler Guyton knows now I mean like there's there's like he knew the first two weeks almost nothing was going to get him out of that spot I, for a young guy you could see how that mentally could mess with you you know like I, I'm it's okay if I'm not perfect or I'm not sharp here I don't think that's what happens, but I think it's easier to stay on point when you know if you're wrong on this series, you're not going to be back out there in the next series. I and I, so I, I just think that was an interesting angle. And like I said, I thought Wanye definitely made the line better. And I don't think that like McCade would actually sit there and be like, yeah, I'm better with Wanye next to me. But chemistry. there was something. There was, there there was, was chemistry. Some, he played, 
That was the best game he's played yes. at Oklahoma in you know, the first three, obviously. Be- because this is the five guys we thought they've been playing together since March. And then all of a sudden, we, they, the wrinkle got thrown in that Wanya can't play the first two two games. So they just have that cohesion. And it's not that Guyton didn't do his job well or to the best of his ability. He just didn't. They didn't have that mix yet to where those five guys knew how to work as a unit. Where clearly it feels like this group does. We'll obviously find out Saturday. Aberration against the Huskers, or are they legit? If they push around the Wildcats. We kind of have our answer. I was almost shocked when I looked through the game notes this week to realize that Eric Gray ranks sixth in the country in yards per carry. 7.7. He doesn't get a lot of attempts, so he's making a lot of them. I, I, I don't know. I guess he might be a feature back. I don't know. <laughs> he looked, We're hedging now. He did, he did look good. <laughs> We're really I, not sure. I thought he looked good, but then again, kind of like what you said, Josh, there were some holes being opened against that Nebraska defense that – I feel we confident going I could in there, pick up three or four. You said going in that defensive line stunk. They're all Yeah, they're terrible. They're, they're terrible. terrible. And they're just uh, – Eddie, you know, you talked about it in the post game. As I went back – you know, like in real time, it's hard to see, especially on television. I think it's probably easier for you being there, you know, really having a feel for size, speed, those kind of things. But watching the review – God, they're slow. Yeah. I mean, they are – I mean, it, I mean, historically this, slow. This isn't a slight – to Dylan Gabriel by any means, but he ran away from people. I don't think I, Dylan Gabriel is going to be running away from a lot of people. I said in the idiot, he has no business making that touchdown run against almost anybody on OU schedule. There no no certain, way, no how. There are certain angles on that run when you rewatch it. It looks like the Nebraska players are running from a fire. Yeah. Like they're not even <laughs> running to, they're not trying to tackle Dylan Gabriel. They're just like, we better run in a direction to make it look like we're trying really hard. They were running like, away from Braden Willis and Jalil Farouk, who were busting ass down yes, the sidelines. Yep. It was the most bizarre looking thing that I've ever seen. I mean, the, except for like that linebacker was the only guy that was actually trying to track him down, it seemed. Rhymer like. or whatever, 44. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and he was, to me, he's one of the guys who's like, you shouldn't be starting in a place yes. like Nebraska. Like, well, no, like, the only reason, he like, was a tryhard because he got, he yeah. was the one that got juked in the first place to the point I think he fell down and then he got up and he started running after him again. But like, he was the only guy that stood out on tape that looked like they were giving actual effort. And the crazy yeah. thing is, is talking to Dylan after, you know, the game and it was very obvious, like he missed a lot of throws. I mean, the... The, the the screenplay to Eric Gray, oh, if he just completes oh, the pass, Eric Gray's probably going to score. Yeah. So that's exciting to a certain extent to know that, you know, they put up 49, called the dogs off, basically. Uh, they could have named a score on Saturday. And, you know, I we'll see. This Kansas State has been a team that, uh, you know, over the last couple times that they've played, they've given Oklahoma some problems here and there. It'll be interesting to see how Jeff Levy matches up with them. I think they're going to want to be able to kind of do what they do and run the ball and get north-south. And if they are able to do that, it's obviously a positive. I mean, so much to learn about everybody and everything. Sure. And I still think, like again, it's like it's kind of one of those things. Like I I tweeted it earlier in Jess, but we can stop the bedlam talk. Like this is a big game. I think that like Brent Venables and those people inside the locker room get it. But I think people are going to look at that Tulane score and go, yep. yeah, this should be a, a three, four touchdown game. When in reality, I still think Kansas state's a good football team. I know that they have problems offensively right now, 
They not played well defensively. Exactly. Like, there's no nothing to suggest their defense has fallen off a cliff or is going to Saturday. Look, do not let up, folks. Stuart Mandel still picked this team to win the Big 12. Uh, his picks have been awful. His apology He's, is not accepted. His apology <laughs> is not accepted. It's refused. Except for Kansas. He, he might be right about Kansas. Well, he only picked them to be what three and seven or th- three and eight instead of. And I don't know if they if two they, and seven. If they don't get through Duke this week. Would be three. They might not. Three. They might be three and six in conference. It's going to be three and six. Yeah, one step ahead of Texas. Yeah, it's going to be really funny if they can't beat Duke this weekend, which is somehow a big game between two undefeated teams. That like Kansas's schedule is is still not the easiest thing. They could go three and whatever, not win a game the rest of the year, and I'd still go, huh. Lance Leopold maybe should be Big 12 Coach of the Year. By the way, we want to tell you about our uh, great friends at PrimeShrimp.com. That's P-R-I-M-E Shrimp.com. You can get delicious shrimp delivered to your door uh, from this New Orleans-based company. And uh, the concept's really simple, really easy. Take a frozen pouch, drop it in boiling water, and you got a meal ready in under 10 minutes. Josh and I both uh, had the Prime Shrimp. We both love it. I personally... Uh, love the French Quarter Alfredo. The garlic herb butter is very good as well. Uh, if you're more of a uh, Cajun guy, Louisiana shrimp boil uh, is there. The signature seasoned is there for you, but there's no prep, no mess, no fuss. Ready in just a few minutes. Uh, and for a limited time, uh, use your code SOONERSCOOP. You can get $20 off your first order, uh, and it's a money-back guarantee. If you don't absolutely love this shrimp, which you will, you will get your money back. Uh, so we're proud to partner with Prime Shrimp. That's P-R-I-M-E shrimp.com. Uh, want to bring you guys some delicious, easy-to-cook shrimp. If you haven't tried it yet, you got to go try it. Uh, PrimeShrimp.com. Use that code SOONERSCOOP. Get $20 off your first order. And, uh, hey, it, it, if you're a dude, the wife ain't home. That's you know Josh's go-to, uh, the Prime Shrimp. I don't have a wife. Uh, it's a very sad situation, I know. Uh, people tell me on Twitter all the time, you loser, you have no family. And that's true. Uh, but uh, I make it uh, all the time as well. And uh, I did try the signature the other day, and I'm coming around more to the Cajun style. So uh, primeshrimp.com. Go check them out. Thanks for uh, being a great sponsor, uh, Prime Shrimp, of the Unofficial 40 podcast. And by the way, we, ha- we didn't even mention... Mickey Joseph fired his defensive coordinator the day after the OU game. Which I think it probably says everything about the Nebraska situation when I go, I saw like the name and I was like, who's that? Yeah. Oh, he's the defense coordinator. I mean, I'm going to go on record. I, I'm going to say Kansas has six wins before they play Texas. Ooh. Like, I think they could win seven games. I mean, they're it, pretty conceivably. I'm I not, don't think they're going to make it, but my God, what if you could get Kansas versus Nebraska in a bowl game? A Kansas's oh chance to to just just give back for all that they've taken over the years from Nebraska. I mean, it's guys, can't... have you looked at Nebraska's schedule? There's a very real world there's, where they're one and eleven. There's not a win left on the stretch. Uh, they're going to get destroyed. It's bad. It's amazing to me that they've fallen this far. I mean, I thought they'd fallen far. Seeing it in person, it, mm-hmm. it, there really is like an element because. 90,000 people at seven to nothing. That place was bumping. Like it was an, that was a fun college football atmosphere. Even it wasn't, even when it was 42 to seven, I I told Dylan, I was like, I can't believe there's this many people still here. And they're like cheering. It's not like a uh, sarcastic cheer. They were like, even Purdy's touchdown. (laughs) They were cheering. Like they're, they're a little bit of a cult. 
in a way. It's just like I, I, I genuinely feel bad for Nebraska fans to have gone through what they have over the last decade or what, however long it's been because, man, they're bad. It, it's a bad football team. But it's kind of like we said on the post game. It wasn't about beating the shit out of a bad football team. It was how Oklahoma did it. That was a dominant performance and something that, frankly, this program hasn't done in a while where you walk in and you just kind of impose your will on somebody. Finally start closing the book on 2021, like yeah. waiting for cuz the same group of personnel for the most part and they're learn, you know, all those one score games that we joked about or got mad about last year, they're a thing of the past. Yeah, and like I I told Carrie after the game, it's like I the 2021 edition of Oklahoma they they still win the game so up like there because they're a better football team. But thirty eight twenty eight. That's a forty five thirty five. It's a game midway through the third quarter that you're saying you need to make some plays to get off the field. As sad as it may be, I don't know. Maybe not. I maybe Nebraska really is that bad. But but well, they were that, last but, year and they couldn't do anything with them. That's and fact. That, and that's that, a fact. And, and you know the other thing that so far Brent Venables has erased is that fear of whatever it is on third down that the other team is going to convert. Like that's and that's where Kansas State has always been a team that just kills you. It's yeah. like when they're like you limit them and you get them into third and what at third and 8. Like third and 8 for Kansas State usually is like third and 20 for most people. Yeah. But then we would see oh you play Kansas State and they would convert not just one but like three times on a drive they would convert Third and eight, third and seven, third and ten. Like, how, how many times have they been in like that third and three? And you're just like, well, Skyler, start over. Skyler Thompson's gonna start get over. it. <laughs> that's what I'll be looking for. I mean, and, and that's that's the thing. Like, that shows you when the defense just wasn't working right. Is is when that would happen repeatedly. And so far, we haven't seen that from this defense. Well, and the other thing that Bob we talked about, it, and it kind of became like the the big talking point at. Brent Venable's press conference on Tuesday was just like, you look back at that 2020 game and the game flipped upside down when they blocked the punt. And there is so much focus right now on what Oklahoma's doing from a special team standpoint. I mean, the thing that Todd threw out there about Marvin Mims first punt return, put him past his total yards for the entire the team's season entire, last year, or the team's yes. entire season last year. That's insane. That. That's I don't insane. understand how that's happened. And I put it out there this morning. Last time OU returned a punt, do you know what it is for a touchdown? Yeah, because I saw you, D.D. Westbrook. I, I, I do. D.D. Westbrook, I, I 2016. Kansas. And the kickoff is 2016 Joe Mixon. They're going to return a punt at some that point That he actually dropped at the one. That he technically <laughs> dropped at the one, Yes. I mean, uh, Bob, let someone have some good moment from that game, okay? The the inattention just to special teams in general is just, it's not surprising because I knew that it was bad, but when you put, like, numbers next to it, it's just like, how, how, as many times as we've seen a punt change a game, whether it be Jalen Saunders up in Stillwater or wherever, Justin Brown had one, I believe, against, against Oklahoma State in yes, Norman. In against Norman. OSU. It was the Jinx running back Alex, Alex, Alex Ross. 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 I mean, his one. kickoff returns. Kickoffs I mean, yeah. against Texas yep. and again in like, Bedlam. I just well, don't understand how you think just about the don't fake field goal in Stillwater. Sure. 
Like there, there's been so many huge special teams played. By the way, I watched the USC Fresno State game. We hate watched it then uh, as as, as, as far as we could. But it's the same shit. They're fair yeah. catching everything. They you know, punts, kickoffs. They Lincoln Riley does not. I'm sorry, I said the name. Uh, he does not want anyone to f with his offense as, as possessions. OU has forced 18 punts this year. USC's forced eight, and they've returned the eight punts for three yards. That that's my thing. Like, okay, we all acknowledge, and, and it's absolutely fair. Alex Grinch's defense they they do all this stuff to be a turnover prone defense. The run they are on is not sustainable. Like that that's not a thing that will continue. And against a really well coached team this week, that's going to be really interesting. I'm not doing it again. I kind of picked against them with Stanford. I didn't pick against them, but I thought Stanford had more of a chance than they did. But if Stanford doesn't turn the ball over in the red zone, I might have ended up right on that. Like yeah. there was, you just you can't live like that. You have to play good fundamental defense at some point, and they don't. They don't tackle well. Like, and it's so funny to hear. Like you keep hearing national people talk about it. Like, you know, I've got some questions about this USC defense. It's not the USC defense. This is the OU defense. This is the same thing you've seen for years, and you ripped OU and and rightly ripped OU about. And now you're going to act like, I don't know what to make of this USC. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. In the same way that you know what to make of the USC offense. It's fucking great. Like, they score a ton of points. It's not, it's not magic. Like, th there is a reason one is good and one is not because it's the same entities in so many key areas that existed in Norman. I thought it was funny that I, I, I saw Ryan Abraham uh, wrote an article this week or he retweeted an article talking about how big plays have been a big issue defensively for USC through three games. Mm -hmm. <laughs> OU in the game notes this week has a stat that OU's given up one play over 30 yards this year. There's only two teams in the country that have not given up a play over 30 yards and it's Iowa. And ironically enough, it's Tulane, the other team. So, I mean, big plays have not been outside of maybe the first series against Nebraska Big plays haven't been. Was the a thing. Palmer touchdown thirty? I yards? think it was just inside. I, I, I want to say it was like twenty six or something. It was in the twenties. Yeah, I can't remember. By the way, are you are you a bookie? Am I a bookie? Mm -hmm. you no, have but so I, many stats. I today. use a bookie though. <laughs> <laughs> you have so many stats today. I'm wondering if you're not taking over the gambling. You know, <laughs> no, I, in Oklahoma I wish, City. I wish it. Uh, no, I don't know. I was just looking at the game notes. You're like uh, you're like Robert De Niro in. Uh, Casino. There are numbers running through my head, but it's mostly about how much I'm down. <laughs> Going back to special teams, I mean, that's why I think people love what Brent said yesterday. How are you ultra aggressive on offense and defense, but then wouldn't keep that mindset? And that's obviously something OU fans have been banging their head against the yeah. wall for the last yeah. two, three years. And we said it at the time. I mean, I, I think that the, the hire of Jay Nunez, just as a special teams analyst, uh, you know, I don't know how that equates to wins or losses or anything like that, but you know, I, I put it in like the little social teaser that we used. He's all over the place on the sidelines, whether it be in Brent's air on third down, like preparing him, you know, if they force a punt or if they are going to have to punt about different things that they need to be doing. And, you know, I, I think that that, that plays, it goes a long way, uh, at the end of the day. So it's a, it's a positive, you know, I, the Zach Schmidt miss field goal, probably the, the biggest no-no right now. I can live with that. We'll give him a free pass there. He's going to go go to confession on Wednesday, 
and uh, we'll be Catholic good with boy? it. He's a McGinnis he's, kid. He's, he's oh, a, that's he's right. A McGinnis no. kid. Yep. And they're not like Notre Dame. Only Catholics really go to McGinnis. You don't have to be. But why else would you go? That's a fact. Yeah, that's a fact. <laughs> Sorry, gay. You're gonna hear hear about that one. I mean, that, no, 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 I didn't mean that as a negative. Just saying, you know, it's no, a lot I, of masses to make it through. Yeah, I, it's a lot of getting up and down out of the pew if, if, yep. if you're not used to it. I, I avoid as many masses as possible. We, that's my, we that's stayed, one of my number one things in life. There was some type of like Catholic event going on. I thought it was Catholic. Either that or Episcopalian. It, it felt like it. It was just an old, old people yeah. convention. Up in Omaha, but yeah, it was... Eddie, um, at this point, I just assume you say things incorrectly on purpose. Like, I, I just assume that was a, a purposeful thing. Is it Episcopalian? Yes. Yeah. You got it. You nailed the, it. Yes. Got yeah. it. Crushed it. Now try Feel Presbyterian. Presbyterian. I can say that. Hmm. What's the I thing? don't know that you did. What's the thing done in uh, Waco? Colt? No, Baptist. God. I'm just kidding. Of a- I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. I don't think that he. What's his name? Who 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 blew up? Who burned everybody? David Koresh. Koresh. I don't think David Koresh. He had his own religion. I think he wasn't. Well, he, he was wasn't Baptist. To. He was attempting to. Uh, he was a branch Davidian. Branch Davidian. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I I read way too. I I read a lot of like. I I don't know. Can you call something that recent history? Like I read stuff like that. Josh like, I've reads read, like, like accounts from like the agents that were on hand. Like I, I, I love that kind of crap. You read like Tom Clancy fan fiction around the Branch Davidians. Oh, and how they no, stormed would... from the inside, <laughs> and it was actually an inside job. And oh, I have they were that. heroes. Yeah, I have heard that. <laughs> it was the feds? Well, the, the, no, the thing. Well, you know, I don't want to get into it. There was plenty. Of yeah, good... let's let's not dig that hole. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Bob is Bob is trying to help us. He's waving us off. He's like, "Stop!" Bob's leaving the room. He's like, "I I wanted on record I was not here." That's why Bob wants us to go to YouTube. He's like, "That way people know when I'm not part of something." <laughs> so uh, anyway, um, yeah, I think Kansas State coming up. Looking forward to it. I'm excited. I'm still excited about it. I mean, seven o'clock kickoff. It's oh, what I mean, everybody the, wants. It's I'm I I didn't mean to say that people weren't excited. I just meant you know yeah no I'm I kind of wrapping it up. But I mean, you didn't. It, uh, some of the players were asked yesterday about you know it is seven o'clock start, so it's going to be. I mean, it's getting dark about seven thirty right now. Uh, unfortunately, you know, you won't get to have like the intro being like uh, you know completely dark yeah. with the lights. And I'm sure they're planning on something special sure. there. Like when the players come out and, and the lights are, but there's it's going to be cool because the I mean, I think the fans that were there last game are going to be jacked for another night game to see how much better it gets with the lights and there, the blinking and the seizures no, and all that. There's no doubt that the I mean it was a thirty point game that was one of the best atmospheres I've seen at the stadium in a long long time. I can't wait to see what it's like on Saturday. Well, McCain Tyler said like it's the best environment he's ever been in. In a that, football game. That, mm, Oregon. Yep. Yeah. Autzen. Mm-hmm. Which, I've been to a game at Oregon, and the players, there's something about that stadium, like, when you're down in it, and this was before you. Yeah, I, I didn't go up there. Uh, I'm Colin looking Hoover at Eddie. Went, Colin mm-hmm. Hoover went and smoked a victory cigarette on the back porch at the Fiji house, and then <laughs> uh, and then all hell broke loose up there. Uh, <laughs> it's his fault. Yeah, it is his fault. Yeah, but, uh, you know, like the players said that that was one of the most intense environments that they'd ever been in. So there must be something about it being down on the field because 
in the press box, I didn't really feel that. I wasn't like, whoa, this place is this place is amazing. It's like, I, it it the players though say that I remember. OU players back in the day saying like Oregon was one of the best yeah. atmospheres. That was like played. that new age to I don't I don't know about like technology or anything, but it, it, when Oregon started coming on at that at the beginning of Autzen Stadium and there was this lore they had won all those games in a row. Mm-hmm. That was like one of the first places that I truly remember, and maybe this was just the first time that they brought it out. Like somebody. I can't remember if it was like Lynn Swan or somebody like had like the decibel level, the decibel level, level, uh, level yeah. meter on the sidelines. And it's like, this place is rocking. And it might've been like one of those Thursday night games. Mm-hmm. Cause it seemed like they went up there all the time on ESPN. But uh, you know, I I'm excited. It, it's going to be a good atmosphere Saturday night. And you know, it shouldn't be, as miserable as it's been here in Oklahoma over the last couple days. It's certainly not going to be like that Halloween night game that they had against Kansas State when they actually won. Because that was like a miserable night. And you could tell like a lot of people didn't show up. Like the south end zone wasn't even full that night. And I thought it was such a weird deal. And I believe that was also the game where the guy called in on the Stoop Show that ended call-ins. We showed up, but you didn't? Yes. Uh-huh. It's one of the greatest moments in live television history. Want to know about player participation <laughs> versus fan participation. It's one of the great moments. In- it's still on the Sooner Scoop YouTube channel. Oh, my God. That's so great. Oops. Oops. <laughs> so mad. But, yeah. You know who Toby's was, re- you know who was responsible, too? Who, who, who enabled Bob to cut off callers? Who? <laughs> You won't believe it when I tell you. Brent? No. <laughs> Tommy Tuberville. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because he knew that he found out that he stopped doing his show, right? right? Uh-huh. That's right. I forgot about that. Tommy Tuberville, still blocked. I'm still blocked <laughs> by Tommy Tuberville. <laughs> uh, Josh, I know you hit us up and, and let us know earlier, but uh, no officials going on this weekend in Norman? No, uh, there, there, there were some rumors uh, early in the week that maybe Tassilia Kana might move his up from the October 15th weekend. But, guys, we keep touching on it. I, I keep finding names for that weekend on the 15th against Kansas. So, clearly, OU is putting some eggs in that basket. You know, we touched on the reasons why last week. But just kind of interesting. It continues to kind of be like, oh, I, I didn't see that coming. But it makes some sense, and honestly, the way Kansas is playing works out pretty well for Oklahoma. Like, it's a, it's not just a, oh, nobody's going to care game. It's like, hey, Kansas is good. Let's go see this miracle. It may not come again for 30 years. So, you know, like, it, it's kind of, uh, it'll be interesting to watch. But this weekend, lot of, lot of big-time unofficials. And I mean, really a heavy 2024, 2025 feeling. Um, I think between Lee Summit North in the Kansas City area and Modern Day, the obviously <laughs> national powerhouse, it's like 60% of the visitor list. Like There's a yep. ton of guys coming from those two schools, and almost all of them have multiple Power 5 offers. It, it, it's a good week. Uh, just bringing those two schools in, you're doing pretty well. I would imagine this is like Jeremiah Cordell's time to shine. It's like, hey, you don't have to get ready for the game. Obviously, you're helping coaching, but... You can take your uh, your modern day brothers around and show them around town. I, it amazes me because somebody asked me like, "OU's never gotten a guy from modern day." I'm like, "Well, it's just the one, but he's on staff, so it's not all bad." Um, I love the testimony of not playing football on the side and still stay there. Sure. Yep. That's uh, y- you can almost guarantee that will come up at some point or another. But yeah, there are um, 
Like I said, and then you throw in, I mean, there's obviously there's three guys coming in from Lovejoy in the Dallas area, uh, led by Peyton Pierce, a guy that I actually put in a uh, an OU forecast for earlier this week, big-time 2024 linebacker that I think, you know, um, Kerry, I mean, and Eddie and Bob, you'll remember him as a player, but Kerry can probably remember being out there at OU camps watching this guy. He is a ringer for Ryan Reynolds. Like, it's yeah. uncanny when I watch him on tape. That's hmm. the guy I see. Um, and I, I realize he's a white linebacker. Yes. White line, like, Take I them all. It. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I get this, the, the lame the, the lame jokes that will be thrown at me, and I get them. I deserve them. That's fine. But, um, no, it, it's a good list. I mean, they really do. You know, like I said, Peyton Pierce, Williams Nwaneri, uh, I think is how you said it. He's told me twice, and I can't ever get it right. Uh, big defensive end uh, that is the teammate of Caden Green, uh, Lee Summit North guys. And then showed, 2025. He, show, sh- he showed out at the camp in June. Got yeah. the offer. I mean, that, that, that's when he earned it. Yeah, he kid. went to camp and yes. earned it. Yeah, huge, huge kid. Um, you know, a guy that you guys saw recently, Grady Adamson, is, is expected to be there this weekend. So, I mean, there are, let me, uh, seven. Jaden Nickens. There, yeah, there are 10 Rivals 100 guys in the 2024 or 2025 class that will be there this weekend. That's a, that's a great start. That's what you're looking for. Going back to last weekend, where'd you go? What's uh, what's your thoughts? Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I, and now you're going to put me on the spot, and I've got to actually sit here and think about where did I go? Hicks uh, on Hicks on yeah, Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> Thursday night went and saw David Hicks. Uh, had a chance to talk with him and his dad after the game. Um, I uh, I you know talking to you know the, them talking to some A&M people that were there. There were several A&M outlets that were there covering the game. And um, I, I think everybody feels pretty much the same. Right now, this is OU's race to lose. I mean, they, they've really done an outstanding job. And that was from A&M people that knew he had been at A&M for the Appalachian State game, which, you know, I know people will say, oh, well, they lost in there. Kids don't decide like that. that. That's not really why that – that's not the stuff that goes into that. Now, if he had watched him lose again when he went back to Miami <laughs> – Oh, okay. Maybe then you start seeing a pattern and a problem, and okay. But I still don't think that affects anything. There's a possibility David will be in Norman this weekend. I've talked to his dad a little bit this week, kind of just waiting to see what comes of that. But there's a few things they're working around. Um, but there, there's a possibility he'll be there. So, and that would be his first trip since the party at the palace when really all the rumors and momentum for OU started to build. How I mean that's it just seems like it's every week we're talking about uh, there's a chance David Hicks might be here like and it never materializes it when you have a night game there's always a chance you but can always make that trip at some point do you ever like you ever say to yourself like okay well he keeps saying he's gonna try and be there or well we know his out, officials about be yeah so so you know you get him at least one yeah one more time. But, I mean, if it really is the favorite, you think he's going to show up one of these times at least. Yeah. The, the issue, um, they, they have some, uh, his mother and father have some legitimate parenting conflicts, like where he has a younger brother who often plays games on Saturday mornings. Okay. That makes it really tough to get up and see unless they, you know, unless mom stays behind or dad stays behind or whatever they're going to do. So they run into some problems, and that's what they've got again this weekend. And I think there is that feeling of like, okay, we need to get up there because I know uh, dad hasn't been up there. Dad wasn't on that trip. 
um, when he, when he came to the party at the palace. So I think there there is a desire to get up there. I know his dad and Todd Bates have a really good relationship. Um, so th- there's there's several interesting things at play. Um, who was it that's Hicks, parents? I, I went, still love that. Who was it that's parents went, but the player didn't go? Stone. Oh yeah, that's David right. Stone. Mm, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you know, I put something up on the board chat. There was a question about it, and I kind of got into talking about where OU is in defensive line recruiting. And you know, once they lost Jordan Renaud, what's the next answer, guys? I mean, Cecilia Kana is the obvious replacement for Jordan Renaud. And I mean, don't get me don't misunderstand that Cecilia Kana is a top 100 player in the country. Actually, on Rivals, is rated ahead of Jordan Renaud. And has been a focus since Brent Venables arrived. So, like, don't make it to sound. I don't mean to make that to sound like he's a Plan B. That that's not what I mean. I just mean you're saying he was better all along. They, they can, yes, he OU is still you're a place. So that? clearly he's better. <laughs> clearly, are he's you better. listening that, to what I'm saying? Or are you like me and Eddie and checking out usually like <laughs> no, during the podcast? No, I'm being I'm being entirely sarcastic and just <laughs> leaning, in, leaning into it. Yeah. So. Um, the, well, that's the, right up there with bursting my bubble like Eddie's 2023 SEC schedule he released yesterday. <laughs> uh, I, I, I missed this, but I'm upset about it now. But he, he really got Jared Folliwell, by said the way. The, I said the old me would not do this, but here's OU's 2023 <laughs> here's SEC schedule. And then I just made up like home and away games. <laughs> Jared immediately, immediately texted me like, What? Like they're having, because you put that OU was playing at Vanderbilt, yeah. And he saw all he saw was Vanderbilt. OU was playing in Nashville in 2023. Yeah. So he immediately thought it was true without even like the part of his brain that that said like this is Eddie, don't take it seriously. Yeah. Completely Makes shut sense. off. No yeah. one's talked about this. Yes. I will say I watched some of that show and I made it about five minutes. I like Peter Burns. The I think SEC he does a really schedule good job. release. Yeah. But when they went to Booger McFarland to start breaking down week two, <laughs> and it was mentioned that well, when this you're is, not even in week five yet for 2022, a lot of teams haven't even played an SEC game right. yet, and they started saying like, "Well, this is a revenge game." I was like, <laughs> "Well, they haven't even played in 2023 how, or 2022." How? Anyways, it it was quite a. Uh, Brain meld is what it was. I I don't know. It it was a lot. But so anyway, back to Jordan. No, but the the thing about the defensive line recruiting, there is a sense though, Josh, that it's almost like, yeah, but Todd Bates. Like it, it just feels like because of his presence in Norman, you automatically have some type of fighter's chance to at least have some interest or have some real intent in getting somebody back to campus guys i i'm still not giving up on jordan renaud i'm not saying that story's closed because of todd bates miguel like guys they're really good and for and i keep trying to hit on it because it was something i talked about a lot early on that there were a lot of uh of questions about jay vali amongst you know some of the alabama and texas beat guys i've dealt with Guys, all I've seen him do is land players and be actively involved, and people mention him as a guy they really like and really respect. I, I mean, it's not over. Like, I, I'm just going to – like, if OU wants to keep that door open, it wouldn't shock me at all. And how different is it? Uh, guys, I wouldn't give up on OU against Alabama for a defensive lineman until, like, the last two hours. That's not a world I've lived in in ten years. Like that, that, it's just been oh Alabama's involved, OU's out. Like th- th- that was that was the end of it. It was like if he's a take for Alabama, OU's not getting him. 
unless there was some very unique circumstance. So it, it is. I mean, Todd, Todd Bates and Miguel Chavis and that that staff, they have just changed the way you look at things. Um, Todd Bates, you know, uh, oh, we look at what A&M did last year, the fact that David Hicks could go anywhere. I said I yelled Todd Bates, and I meant to yell David Hicks. <laughs> okay. I, don't know why. <laughs> right. I don't know why that happened. Sorry. I, I'm apparently not firing on all gears. Um, but they um, – they, with David, I mean, he could go anywhere. And I think OU is the clear leader by anyone's measurement. And I, I just, I think that is, it says a lot. Like, I and I know we've said it over and over again. I think part of it, we keep falling into these conversations because OU cleaned up so much shop in the summer. We don't have a lot of recruits in 2023 to talk about. There's not a lot of storylines happening because it's there's already such and it, this is only going to benefit OU because they can start pivoting to 2024 like they're doing this weekend with all these guys they're bringing in and I touched on it a little earlier guys this defensive line class as good as it can be there's there's a possibility that 2024 stands up right next to it with guys like David Stone Justin Scott Zadavian Sims uh, Williams Nanari that we mentioned earlier like you go down the list there are so many big time guys that OU has already had on campus at least once, if not multiple times. And, you know, so I, like I said, I, I think, and that's where people keep asking, like, when does, when does OU get to Clemson's level defensively? That's how you do it. It's not, oh, there's one really good class and okay, now we just kind of, you know, add guys when it fits. No, you've got to have depth. You've got to, you've got to be able to, Deshaun White gets ejected and you throw in a freak of nature and just let him run all over the field. Like, I mean, that's what it's got to be. You've got to have guys for when things happen or things aren't right that you can just roll another body out there. Can you imagine, like, if Jaron Kanick hadn't been on the team, like, who are they rolling out there? Like, uh, Jake? Harrington? Harrington? Oh, Justin Harrington. Oh, Harrington, yeah. Idiot. Which? Well, can Kanick's not there if Harrington's not. I mean, if... If Kanak's not there, Harrington's not there because the, is it Kanak? Mm-hmm. I want to say Kanak. I, I, I may a, go Eddie here. Just, have a little respect mm-hmm. for the man's name. Here, you know, <laughs> it, it, I am a founding member of that church, so <laughs> I'll have none of this. Well, yeah, if you're a founding member of the church, you got to know how to say the church oh, that's named God. after. I mean, you know, maybe Eddie's Eddie's firing out that's a piece Pillion, you know, like whatever. You so. said it right. You got to give him credit Eventually, when he does it right. I got sure, it right. I, I mean, it, it took a couple tries. Yeah. It, so okay, tell me again. I I swore he told me it was Kanak. Okay, Jaren Kanak. Okay. Now I I heard Jonah Laulu say Kanak on Saturday. They call him Kanaks because he's from Kansas. Well, shit. Okay. Damn so it. it's like it's like Kanak it with an A. Hold on. Go get the media guide. The media guide is sitting I think okay, Toby, on the conference room table. No, Let's the, look it up uh, on, or go on, online. On Sooner Sports. Sports. All right. I'm, Toby I'm, does. I'm, the, everyone's uh, going. There. <laughs> everyone's going. Who's <laughs> got <laughs> the <laughs> fastest <laughs> internet? Let's do some great radio or sports. Like, uh, oh, oh, I'm there. Okay, clicking on the link. Like opening the box that, that we did a couple of years ago. <laughs> All right. Let's see here. No. No. I actually, I think oh, I've heard media personalities have said it two different ways. How is it not included here? It's not on his bio. It's not phonetically spelled. Then uh-uh. look for uh, Toby Rowland when he's saying something. Yeah, we'd have to find that. While we're looking for that, Josh, <laughs> you did 
<laughs> you did go somewhere Friday. You did go somewhere Friday, and it was a 2023 commit against, ironically enough, a 2024 target in Nigel Smith and then Samuel Omosigo. Oh, there, nicely done, Eddie. Yeah, yeah, that's really I, that was. I mean, maybe if you wanted to get nitpicky, like just the wrong emphasis a little bit, but I don't think I don't even think Samuel will even. I care think about that's that a one. fun. Well it's done. a fun name to spell out. I finally got a Wegbu, uh, mm-hmm. spelling wise. Uh, did, okay, okay. I was like, you still don't say it right, but okay, okay. Go, go with the rest. Spelling wise, I, and I, yeah. I have fun spelling that one out, but <laughs> I have I I can do Omosigo. Yeah. Oh, see, you needed the first. The first one was a dry run. Now you were ready that time. That well done. Um. Yeah, so I had a chance to see Samuel uh, Crandall, uh, his high school, went up uh, to play Melissa, which is, you know, for those that don't know, a little up I-75, kind of north of Allen and Frisco and up in that area. So, um, there, you know, for those that travel that road, it's right by a Bucky's. So that, that can be an easy little, little uh, way to know that you're passing Nigel Smith. But go up there, uh, Melissa, who has a lot of expectations, start off one and two, kind of had a rocky, not a rocky start, but just played a really tough schedule. They played a couple of really good games, a couple of, you know, state championship caliber teams right off the bat. So, um, Samuel had, had a really nice night. I mean, very active, very involved. His team was just overmatched. Like I said, Melissa's a very good team, gonna probably make a deep playoff run, got a lot of Division One talent. And, um, and Nigel, you know, like I said, is, is one of those guys, uh, kind of had a quiet night. Uh, you know, I think it was clear that Crandall was trying to get the ball out really fast and on a lot of occasions was throwing it to Samuel Omasigo, just trying to throw him some jump balls down the field. And he had some success. There were some moments he made some plays and, um, uh, with Samuel at, at linebacker, there's still a lot of work to be done. He's very raw, kind of, you know, uh, you, you guys were talking, and I, I thought I mentioned it in one of the breakdowns we did with um, Jaron Canick. Yes, yeah. God, now I'm really second guessing myself. It is, you're correct. You. We have found the media guide. <laughs> it's Canick. Okay, like C A N capitalized then I C K small. So it's Canick. Canick. Okay. 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 Good. All right. So Jaron you, 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 you guys win. You were right. All right. Um, but you know, Jaron had talked about. Um, there being, you know, kind of a mental transformation when he went from being largely an offensive guy in high school to having to learn to be a defensive guy. That's what you're seeing with Samuel Omasigo. It's the same deal. He's super athletic, can do all these amazing things, but he just, on defense, he's just kind of getting by on like, I'm really talented and, and kind of playing ball that way. He hesitates. You can tell he's thinking. It's not instinctual or natural for him yet. And so we need some time. But again, you talk about a guy that looks the part. He's put on some good weight even since I saw him at his commitment uh, back in the summer. Um, he, he's he's going to be a really good player. I mean, it's one of those things. It's crazy now, you know, knowing under this new defensive you know regime, I'm like, he'll turn out. Barring injury, he's going to be a good player. I don't know if he's going to be great or whatever, but there's there's almost no chance of him not being a quality college football player. So we'll – We'll see where it goes from there. But like I said, 6'2", 205, and can run, you, you can work with that. I mean, there, there's a lot of, um, you know, like Keenan Clayton vibes there. Uh, that, that's kind of who I would – there's some comp there with him. You know, we mentioned – double verification from Mike Alc of Canick. <laughs> okay, <laughs> beautiful. Yes, I texted Mike. He is, he's the one that said Canick yesterday. I'm not going to name names of someone that said Canack before. We're just going to – So, let it go. We're just going to let it only be Some of the players me. Thanks, are wrong, but – 
they're very large people, so we'll just <laughs> let it go. Yes. So, Josh, you mentioned not a lot with 2023. So, did that make Malachi Coleman for what me and Eddie saw last weekend? Did that just kind of amplify that that type of trip? Yeah, I mean, it does. Like I said, I mean, there is there is a conversation I'm having of going back and seeing David Hicks again this Friday. Like that's that's how kind of shallow the water is at this point, but. I, for the record, I don't think that's what I'm going to do. It's kind of a, a backup plan for another game I'm working on. But there is, um, th- there's just a lot. Uh, or I'm sorry, there's so little uh, as far as OU spots because th- they have a chance. They can they can do a couple things here where I, I think they're going to land. I think three, four, maybe even five commitments uh, before signing day, and then you can turn around. And if that, you know, if maybe they miss one of those guys, and I think there's six or seven, maybe even eight valid targets right now. Um, I actually need to put together something where we kind of, so people can just kind of reference it and, uh, and, and kind of have a point to go back to on those guys. Uh, Cause I don't think we're going to have the big, you know, we got so used to like about mid November, me doing that big signing day story where it and I would just kind of update it as we went. There's not going to be that there. Like right now feels like November to December. Like this is going to be OU's last big run and maybe there's a couple of guys around signing day that, that everybody's waiting on. But it, it's just going to be very different than what OU fans are used to because the work is largely done for 2023. So, you know, the, like I said, it, I, Malachi is going to be interesting. Obviously, we're now, what, a month and a day? I think he's October 22nd, is, his, is if I remember that right, uh, is his announcement date. So there's, there, there's plenty that's going to happen. I mean, obviously, there's lots of rumors about David Hicks deciding in October. Uh, I've I've heard that from a few more sources over the last week. So, it this is this is going to be an interesting couple of months, even if it's not quite as frequent as what we saw in June and July. Or I guess July and August. You know, I I somebody I don't know if you, one of you guys sent out the link for I don't know like recent David Hicks film, and I st- I sat down and started watching. It. And it's really the first time I've I've watched it, but like that dude, I haven't seen a guy that. Like, on some plays when he's on the edge, he looks like Micah Parsons. Like, he's that fluid. There's other plays where it's kind of, you know, like you can tell he's still figuring it all out. But, man, I, that dude, I, I just wanted to say, I, I was really impressed when I watched his stuff the other day. He, uh, The thing that impressed me the most is, you know, I talked a little bit about Nigel Smith being a guy that clearly Crandall was just like, we're not going to let him take over the game we're, we're going to get rid of the ball quickly we're going to let him you know we're just going to run away from him do everything we can to you know minimize his um ability to change this game the made creek game that, that that's who david hicks and Peto played they they were really a well-coached team really had a good game plan they ended up getting housed but it was like this game doesn't feel that far apart because it was two pretty good defenses and the offense for Maid Creek just made a few more mistakes that really burned them a couple of times. Um, but what impressed me about Hicks through that game is he knew pretty early on he was not going to have three sacks or a bunch of tackles for loss. They were just not going to let him do that. And I never once saw him get his head down or, you know, start with that body language that we've all seen, you know, where a guy just is not engaged in the game. There was none of that. Like he, his effort was constant and it just, 
I was like, that's that. I mean, and I hate to, you know, like, that's a coach's kid. Like it, that, that, but that's what it felt like. Like he understands what's happening, what his role needs to be. And he was instrumental in that game, even if I don't know that he had maybe more than three tackles all night. By the way, I'm going to Twitter for all my Bedlam news lately. Um, have we found out if uh, Bedlam is affecting recruiting for OU yet? The loss of Bedlam. Uh, Stop it! I, well, I was just I am just Eric too busy. I, I haven't gotten into that particular wing of the argument, but I'm going to get there. So don't worry; Let, like it's happening. We'll we'll get to that in a second. Let's just wrap up the recruiting stuff as far as what we saw in Nebraska. Nebraska high school football, not so much. Not so much. Yeah. At least the games we saw, there were, were there well, were some good ones Friday. We just weren't we weren't there. Yeah. It, it, it was interesting. Anyways, Malachi Coleman, I think it's pretty obvious when you, you – I mean, we were walking down the steps to get out on the field and it was like, hmm, I wonder which one he is. He's a massive, massive human. Uh, Still working his way back from the knee. Yeah, and I, I think that, like, he was obviously a little checked out. I'm not going to necessarily just kill the kid for it. Uh, when he did catch the ball, it was very obvious why somebody would want him to be a pass catcher in their offense. Uh, I even think that – you know, if he really wanted to and dedicated himself, he could probably turn into a pretty damn good defensive end. That's just how athletic he is. Uh, but, I mean, it, it is what it is. Mickey Joseph was at the game. Uh, Brian, what was the running back? Applewhite. Applewhite was, uh, they were Massive both Massive ovation as soon as Mickey just showed up. That was like the first uh, moment like, where I was like, oh shit, OU is in for like a yes, long day tomorrow. Like, or, or it's like, <laughs> or they're in for a long day to try to win this recruitment. Sure. Like, it is overwhelming the support that Mickey has right now well, from had. that, or at least had yeah. last last Thursday of like how badly they're gonna want this kid to stay home. Well, I told you guys, uh, you know, leaving the game, or I, I think I said it on at the night we were there on Thursday night. It like Mickey Joseph walks into the game and he immediately gets on his cell phone. I was like, okay, that's kind of weird, and then he starts looking up in the crowd, and I don't know this for a hundred percent fact, but I'm pretty sure he called. Coleman's parents because they were like waving at him and they you, they were talking on the phone and they had like a five you know eight minute conversation there's a very obvious relationship there it you know if you're an OU fan I think it calms the waters when we had the interview with him after the game he was more than accepting to talk to us and it's very obvious that him and Joe John have a really good relationship as well so uh, is a two-horse race in that thing, and it's going to kind of be interesting to see what Nebraska does the rest of the year. I have to think that there's going to be some pressure, uh, you know, just on that side of things, staying in Lincoln. I mean, his high school field was like seven minutes away from downtown Lincoln where the, the stadium is. So there is going to be some pressure to stay at home. I think it would probably make it easier if, you know, Mickey Joseph's not there, although everybody that we talked to it's almost a given that even if he weren't to get the full-time job, he's going to be on that staff if he wants to be in some type of and, capacity. But the thing is, like, if you're if you're a new head coach, like, I, I mean, if they go out and hire the right guy, he's not going to want Mickey Joseph on his staff. They, I don't know. But it, I mean, I, he, he's, that, that's where I come from. He's yeah. he's going to have every. It's just like with Brent; he'll have so many positions filled. He'll have people, the new coach, mm -hmm. he'll have people that he wants in there like just as analysts. Sure. Like the, Mickey Joseph will just get in the way of someone that really knows what they're doing and what they want. Does it change it though that like he is, and I guess, you know, the Kale situation was obviously very different and how that ended, all that kind of stuff. But 
he is kind of like a Nebraska. I don't want to say Nebraska lifer, version he has of it, but he's Kale. A, he's a Nebraska guy. I mean, he has those connections back into the program. But I again, know. I mean, Brent was here before, though, sure. so it's a different thing. One hundred percent. You bring in Urban Meyer. I mean, we, they're not going to bring in Urban Meyer. I saw what was it? Uh, <laughs> Bruce Feldman had a list uh, earlier today. Of, yeah, Lance Leopold. Aranda. The, the usual suspect. Yeah, maybe Campbell. you have a shot with sure. with Lance Leipold, but like Aranda and Campbell, like they're not going to have any history with Mickey Joseph. Well, I mean, I am. I mean, it needs to be thrown out there. Oklahoma will be looking for a wide receivers coach. Mm-hmm. He he's lived he in Brent Oklahoma before. He has a kid long. that goes to Carl Albert supposedly. Uh, Mickey Joseph does so. Does he? I didn't realize yeah. that. And the the thing with Coleman, I mean, if he's going to announce the twenty second, he's got to be another official visit for Kansas. He's got to be another October fifteenth kid. Or I'm I'm not I'm not sure if they can get him without one more weekend to try to entice him again. And he and he told us that he wants to get. He down. wants to, but we have no no clue. Why. Sure, and that's sure. the only one that obviously makes sense if he's not going to be there Saturday night because. You're at TCU, you have Texas, so Kansas weekend would one would once again bring a top to your name. Friday night, I don't know if there's a player that I love more in this class than <laughs> It was Kate a lot McIntyre. of fun, guys. It really was. He's I just think he's a really good football player. I think it maybe inflates my idea of what he could be. Like it's hard to judge what he is because they play class C football in the state of Nebraska and it's not the best brand of football. But he he does what exactly you would you would want somebody in that position to do dominates on both sides of the ball did not take a playoff he's a man amongst boys uh and then you throw in the idea of like what his testing numbers were when that was thrown out over the summer it's like okay like i think this guy could be a somebody when it's all said and done i think we both came away from that night thinking is tight end really Really, his future? I mean, he looked good there, but he looked great on defense, he looks man. Like a defensive, he dude. just looks home. I mean, he doesn't look home on defense because I think that he is much more comfortable playing offense. But like, just the way that he attacks the football, it's like there's there's an instinct there. And again, he's moving a little bit faster than everybody else out there. <laughs> but he just it, it looks like he could develop himself into. I kind of he kind of remind me a little bit of Austin Box, just size wise, maybe the look of of what it was, just him playing linebacker. Uh, Box was Box seven at Enid. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, was yeah. he? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then maybe that's what it was. Maybe <laughs> yeah. that's exactly know, what it was. It, it, and Eddie, it happens to me too. I'm like, why do I have that guy in my head? I'm like, it's the damn number. It's like, hard and, for me to it, allow that comparison though. When Box was dominating was class six A, yeah. I mean, sure. like the biggest classification. Like there was no one and two then. Sure. Like he was dominate. I mean, like it took the he, Jinx monster to take him down. And he basically. was doing it largely. Like I, I remember watching that state championship game, killing people on defense and, and he was, making plays on offense. Yeah, he was turning around and basically playing quarterback for Enid yeah. at the time. It, I mean, he that I maybe mean, that's a bad comparison. People but, don't realize this, but like. Austin Box and Josh, I think you'll back me up. Like literally one of the greatest players in Oklahoma high school history. I I don't think that's unfair. I mean, and you know, I've told that story before about Alan Trimble being yeah. like that that dude. We, we had all sorts of trouble with him. And guys, I mean, Enid played Jinx in the state championship to twenty eight seven. Like, yeah. and those were that's to the, that's like the, that's mid two thousands Jinx. Like, that's a monstrously good team. 
they beat Owasso by three touchdowns. They beat Booker T that year by three touchdowns. Like, I mean, there is... Uh, and wasn't that, that, Box like in that game? Wasn't he pretty beat up just because he was knocking yeah, he the that, shit out of that, people everywhere? That big elbow thing. Yeah, the big yeah. elbow brace yeah. was on. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I, like I said, that was um, th- that. And I mean that Enid team. Don't get me wrong; they had some decent players, and they were, around that time they did have have a few players. And obviously, Cody Cook was a, you know that same senior class and signed with OU as an offensive lineman, but. I mean, without Austin, that's barely a playoff team. Yeah, and he took them all the way to state finals, and they were they were fairly game for James. I'm not saying that you know you're slandering the man or anything. No, I, just, he just no, like I. It's a high bar to live up sure. to as Austin Box yeah, in high sure, school. Sure. And going back to K, Joe uh, Joe John was there in, in attendance, saw all three touchdowns. He stayed the entire first first half. I was really waiting for him. Like, all right, I, I've seen what you I got need better to. things to do <laughs> exactly. Now. But he stayed the the entire time. And shout out Josh and Lori McIntyre. We really enjoyed. Oh, they were great. Yes, they were terrific. I love my time in Fremont. I might go back to Fremont, <laughs> Nebraska, at some point. And you took Bob by the uh, the Bob went to the he went to the uh, the boardroom. I took yeah. him by on Friday <laughs> afternoon before he had uh, tears going down his eyes, just thinking. The and memories. Bob thought I was lying about the uh, Spear- the spearmint rhino. Spearmint the rhino. Lot. There is a spearmint rhino <laughs> right across the street. I had no idea. One hundred percent. The. That's I'm why not, the expense report was so high. I'm not going. Trip. I never went. I, I had a chance to on one of the nights. I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, but there were some uh, former OU athletes that had invited me over there that apparently stayed very, very late, like early morning the next day. <laughs> and uh, I was glad that I didn't because I think it was the night. It was like the Friday night going into the first game of the uh, World Series. So when you say former OU athletes, not necessarily football players. They were not football they were players. Not. They, they might have had interest in being up there because they might have competed in the same program. But, it, uh, it, yeah, it was good to get back to Omaha, my second home. Oh, it really has become. Uh, okay, so, I look... I think Eddie and I kind of feel the same way about the whole Bedlam thing. At least we're in the same ballpark. This is going, I, I truly think this is about to be my final time to comment on it. Yes. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm sick of, I'm I'm sick of talking it. about it. It shouldn't have been in the news cycle yesterday because it's not news. We knew this day was going to the come. The only thing that advanced it was a quote from Joe Castiglione. Bingo. Is that what it was? Yes. Mm-hmm. Like that's because purely what it was? Yeah. I get where they're coming from, like Oklahoma State side of things. Like, I understand it. I think it's pettiness on both sides. In a perfect world, I would want Bedlam to be played. I, I love was... the game. I love the rivalry. It is a rivalry. I love everything about it. I love the fact that people don't call it a rivalry. That, to me, makes it a rivalry. <laughs> like, all the above. It saddens me that we're not going to have that game yeah, anymore. Yeah, Absolutely. I didn't think it was petty until yesterday when Mike Gundy brought out the notes. The well, notes. Yeah. I just... <laughs> I was just... I don't know. It's like Anchorman. He it's wasn't like, ready to play jazz and flute. And it was like it was also a captive audience. He's like, you tell me where I'm wrong. He's like, they're not going to tell you, you know, they're not going to debate you. Like, there was some debatable stuff that he said. I don't know. I had Robert be- Allen stepping up for OU in this case. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, guys, like it's it's the thing that OSU keeps going back to. They followed Texas. 
you know what that looks like. He you know you're saying that to too, piss yeah. people off. Yeah. Like, don't act like you're and that's above the, card they the fray. Play here. though, isn't it? I'm fine with that. That's fine. Like, I don't. But don't act. Don't, you don't get to like take that little shitty shot and then be like, "But we're above this. This is childish. We're, we're not, not about, about money. About that's no, the other stop. thing too. It's like stop it. chasing the money. It's like you would go to if the SEC wanted you. You would leave tomorrow. Yeah. What do you know if they were in the if they were in OU situation? Do you know what their stadium would be called? SEC Stadium, because they are about the money. They named it after a guy who gave them a shit ton of money. Like that's not new. Like it's no big deal. It's fine to acknowledge that you would do what OU is doing, and at the same time, you can be mad about it. Like that, I get both sides of that. That's okay. But guys, the the thing I struggle with, and I, I saw one person say it. Do you honestly like? I don't. I've seen nothing and heard nothing that tells me OU doesn't want to continue this. Yeah, I agree. I I, I think OU I, would like to make yeah because I think they don't want to look like the bad guys here. Which, agreed. Which, agreed. Which they clearly do, and OSU is helping. You know, just helping. They're like bad. You know, just poking the bear. Like, see, he's bad. He's bad. Watch him fight. Watch him get mad. We're poking it. <laughs> look, he's gonna swing at you. Get ready, because he's a bad person. Like, they're just poking OU over and over. Like, is they it- they would rather it be even if it wasn't you know every year. Like, I think OU would be willing to say like, okay, we'll play twice every five years. Or so. I mean. For God's sakes, you've got Tulsa on your schedule for like three years in a row, OSU. I mean, and, and can we stop with the, the the schedule's just full for the next 10 years? <laughs> yeah, you've never canceled with Murray State before. Knock that shit off. Like, stop. Yeah. Stop with that. And they're like, well, there's there's cancellation rights. Yeah, I'm sure Murray State's going to come back pissed Murray if State they have to will, wait a year for their million-dollar payday. Murray State will go away if you just pay for their practice uniforms next year. Yeah, like, the, guys, they, they have the t- – and that's the like the other weak part of that argument is okay then why like why don't you announce hey we're gonna play OU at a home and home in 2033 like you're clearly willing to schedule it out that far schedule it like you, you yeah, don't be get petty to live about under it that. like like <laughs> we're going to schedule OU in 20, 2033 it's just unfortunate that we won't be able to play sooner like yeah yeah like and. And that's the thing like, because of their move, people say because of them yeah. leaving the Big 12 conference it, like for OSU following people keep like oh it's it, it, <laughs> OU's bluffing then call their bluff if that's what it is if they're trying to look like the white knight call their bluff and then you do get to do what Carrie just talked about you get to make them the asshole like well, that's and, an easy fix but here's the thing too like like to me everybody's out there playing checkers like i think OSU is playing chess like i think OSU is like well the SEC doesn't really want us right now, but what if we stir all this stuff up and make OU out to be the bad guy, and then if the SEC reacts to the Big Ten expanding, maybe OU will go to bat for us because they're tired of looking bad like they did something wrong here. Is there any truth to Joe Harris and Dr. Shrum not particularly liking each other i don't know i don't know i heard I don't that know. yesterday i and i have no idea i don't know how they would ever have had their paths cross i is, he's a lawyer she's a doctor yeah i, I really don't is she know a doctor like, doctor or is she a doctor i think it's a like a like a, a academic medical, doctor like an academic a fake doctor <laughs> it it just is there <laughs> not a medical doctor how about that is she a is, yeah is she a medical doctor or is she a a school doctor a school doctor yeah. it is there, is there a certain element, though, too, that they and they can't come out and say this, but 
Does it benefit either school to play that game? As it stands now? I said this morning, it's a win for both schools. To not play the game? Yeah, OSU doesn't have to get beat, you know, 11 out of 12 years. And OU just doesn't have to mess with it because they're in the SEC now yeah. and they can schedule. From an OU scheduling standpoint, when you, if you're going to play It's bad for the fans. The SEC, sure. It's bad for the fans. No matter what, it's right. bad. I'm just saying, for the universities, it's a win-win. Yeah. And and the thing is, like the fans are the ones that seem to fight against it. That's what I was talking about this morning on there. Like these people, are like it's not a ri- stop, stop with it. it's not a rivalry. Like because it's lopsided. Like guys, you look back on it. The last twenty years, not Texas, not anybody has created as fun and consistently great game to watch as OUOSU. Like I, I think there's few rivalries in the country that have matched it over the last twenty years. Just a lot, like so many fun, like crazy, wild ass games, and people acting like, "Oh, well, that doesn't matter." What I mean, what does if that doesn't? I'm not saying it's Ohio State, Michigan, or Auburn, Alabama, but it's a really good rivalry game that continues to be compelling year over year. And the crazy thing is, with all that said, they've won twice in the last decade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is insane to think about. I mean, I, obviously, and, and it one shouldn't was, be one. And, and the circumstances are: one was a punt return, the repunt, the repunt, yep. and the other was a coaching staff that was halfway out the door. Yeah, literally left the team at halftime. Mm. Two but months, going two months before. Well, yeah. <laughs> not even at that game. It was two months before. Yeah, okay. But I, but I don't know. I mean, it, the whole thing is the whole thing is just it's fantastic because. It is made for for basically the the loss of Bedlam is made for Bedlam because fans for OSU can answer you know they can fight for their point and feel like they are hundred percent right. OU fans can fight for their side and they feel they're hundred percent right. They both have uh, they both have points and counterpoints that just bounce off of each other and go right back to the other side. It's like. It's like a game of breakout or, or pong or whatever. Like, no matter what you say, you can just keep saying it, but louder. It's which is, OU wants to play. OSU won't do it. And OSU is they let this game get away when they left for the SEC, chasing the money and and like it. It's just it's a never ending. Like literally, Facebook or Twitter has turned into a Facebook group over this. No, it's it's incredibly depressing i mean it and the other thing too is is it's just ironic that we're weeks removed from west virginia and pittsburgh playing and that atmosphere being oh, awesome, that was an awesome field, game to watch and everybody's like why haven't these guys played in nine ten years rivalries are awesome yeah and now it's like well this isn't a rivalry it's like it's like i tweeted yesterday it's like <laughs> some of my best friends are oklahoma state fans and that weekend is awesome even though the outcome has likely we kind of know what it's going to be, but just the fact and like that fear of having to see your neighbor the next day or see the coworker on Monday, that's what makes a rivalry to me. It's not the head to head. Now it's just going to be a rivalry of words. It's like if we if we played you, we'd beat you this year. Yep. Yeah, and, and that <laughs> like, and there's no there's you don't have to back anything up. And we're never wrong. Yeah. Never wrong. <laughs> We've been making fun of Texas A and M and Texas fans for doing this for the last however many years they haven't played. Now, is it is it also my understanding too that they're going to try and play in other sports? 
They, yeah, I it's would think that they would. It's just football that is being directly affected by this. As far as I know, yes. I, I could see basketball being maybe hit and miss. I don't know if Moser and Boynton like each other. I don't, I, they I don't seem know like that. They do on they seem like they media. do on social media, but I don't. Put it to Paycom. Yeah, I, it'd be that'd be sweet. That would be cool. Anytime that you don't have to play because the you can't do a home and home center. In a way, it would make it a little bit more like you know the eighties, the old days, because it would it the minor sports mattered more then than they do now. Like the Thunder came into town, and really the basketball thing hasn't been that big of a deal. But if you're only playing once and you put it at Paycom or you yeah. put it at BOK or you alternate cool. it year to year. Like, people would get jacked up for that. Baseball needs to stay, for sure. Yeah. Softball needs to stay, for sure. They need to figure out some some type of Ryder Cup between golf teams. Yeah, I mean, baseball will be a three-game series. The five thing will go away. Uh, Oh, yeah. Well, it'll be the... I guess it'll probably be the midweek stuff is how they would Mm. play. Because the three-game will go away because they're not in the same conference. conference play starts. Yeah, you could, for sure. I mean, wrestling will have... OU will have to do something with wrestling. Well, that's not a rivalry. They need to stop playing. Because OU never wins. No, he does never win that. Yeah. So they should stop that. That's, I, I will tell you, that's... <laughs> I'm just saying, OU, saying OU it, but... has to find a conference because exact, the SEC doesn't yes. have wrestling. So I would imagine the Big 12 will keep... Oh, that's right. I didn't even OU. think about that. I mean, mm-hmm. Missouri's in the Big 12. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. So is Northern Colorado. So is North Dakota and Fresno State? Yep. <laughs> Sometimes I see there, that. There are some like, random wrestling yeah. programs. I think Denver is in, in the Big 12 in gymnastics or something. Yeah, I think that yeah. they are. And pretty good, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. So, you know. With gymnastics, it's one of those sports where there's like, there's like I think, maybe 40 competing teams. So, like, it's not hard to be in. Like, they're like, they're number 24. Yeah, but what does that mean? Like, you know, you, you wonder a little bit about that. But I don't know. So, there's my gymnastics talk for this week. I think, I think the Southwest Conference is still alive, and it's all rowing teams or something. <laughs> It's not like OU is like in the Sun Belt and the Big Twelve in rowing or something like that. It's it's all bizarre when you get into those minor sports. I know that's like out there on the board and stuff. I I have heard as well that oh you're supposed to be wearing alternates this weekend. I'm the last person that would have any like comment on if they're cool or if they're not. I always like the 20, <laughs> the 2003 North Texas throwback yep. uniforms that, that they wore. That's not that really, really an nice. alt uniform though. And yep. if it's anthracite, anthracite. I mean. I don't oh, even know what that's. Oh, you going like. out in all black without preparing the fans is not all black, but some black. It'd be like a, it's like an a grayish gray. I don't graphite know how to, type. Well, it's it's yeah, but it's it's black. I mean, let's. It's I don't just know. It's a very dark. I don't know. Gray, the, charcoal-y. Do basketball games come off black when they wear. Them? I, they do. Yeah, they do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I mean, that would that would. People are gonna have a real problem with that if they, if that really is what happens. Well, if they win. You know, sixty to three, they'll get over it. If they lose, they'll want. They'll I would imagine burn them like well, twenty fourteen Baylor. Those people will be bitching about the lights anyway. So what's it matter? They won't be able to see them. They'll <laughs> be seeing double, and they'll be blinking. No, you mean two thousand nine Tech, right? That was the combat Nike combat. Yeah, the combat. That's the ones people never wanted to see again because they played like crap. But that, that was the uh, that was those the Ryan were Burrow's fantastic game. alternate uniforms. I was in Lubbock that day, but I spent half of uh, well more than half. I spent three quarters of the game just outside at the uh, Tech tailgate hazing people, and that was fun. God, I would I, I would have thought that you were working for us in two thousand nine for some reason. Mm-mm, I was out there. You were still in school, yeah. Yeah. 
But that doesn't compare to the uh, Lubbock trip when we stayed at the Stadium Motel in 2006. Oh boy, that was and that was the big. I remember you telling me about yeah, that. Yeah, that was that was the big one. Hit a deer on the way back in Wichita Falls with Britt Banowski. Like scoring. a brand new Audi. Yeah, Britt Banowski, brand new Audi. It's kind of a blah weekend in the college football world. Arkansas A&M is going to be a little bit interesting over at Jerry World this weekend. Uh, we get to watch Baylor and Cyclones early. Baylor and Iowa State. You would 11. think that. I don't know. I, I don't know what to expect in that game. Exactly. I'm, I, mean, I don't I know what to Iowa expect State... from a lot of Big 12 teams. Tech, Texas, I don't know if that does anything for anybody, but I, I did like when we signed off the postgame show, it's 17-7 to 7 down in Austin, and I was like, there they are. That's the usual Texas. But they played well in the second half. They played really well in the second half. They got Bijan involved. Yeah. And that was a, that's gonna, I think that's a really, really good win for them to go win by 21 against, a, I'm not... You know, UTSA is UTSA, but I think they're a nice football team. They had a pick six late or in mm-hmm. the third, late in the third, I think yep. it was. Yeah. They kind of helped them pull away. Is it true that did Quinn Ewers practice this week? Is that thing coming together a little bit longer? That's what better than that, I think that's, that's what Sark thought? said on Monday. Mm hmm. I guess that'll be more interesting here as we move forward into, uh, you know, obviously TCU week next week and then the big one the week after. Texas is just the land of. Of quick healing quarterbacks, I guess. Dak Prescott and Quinn Ewers. Yeah, I mean, I guess a broken thumb and an AC joint. I don't know. I mean, an AC joint is a serious injury. Like, it's yeah. not like come back in two weeks. Sam did try to come back, though, after, yeah. and it was about the same timeline yeah. the opener and then Texas. Yeah, that's true. Didn't work out too well, unfortunately. You're you should sick. see You're the sick. look that Eddie person. has right now. Like what? He got hurt again. It's not <laughs> no, like did. I'm not. He did. He did. I'm not. Uh, Quinn. You know, Quinn pro- probably will too if they rush it. Well, uh, Oklahoma would not be the team you'd want to come back against because they're going to get in the backfield. You would think that the uh, the pressure that the defensive lines putting up right now would be it'd be a, it's going to be an interesting matchup OU's defensive line against Texas's offensive line here in a which that's weeks. been the surprising thing about Texas to me is their offensive line has not been terrible no they I mean and they played really really well against Alabama all yeah. things considered yeah everything held up guys in a lot of ways did that game tell you more about Texas than the Bama game did like I've seen Texas play good yes. against teams that they weren't as good as yes but to get down early that's the kind of game Texas would have lost. Like, we talked about OU, you know, like, oh, the, the Kent State game. OU would have let them hang around. It would have been interesting late. That's the kind of game Texas would have lost yeah. the last three or four years. Like, they, they would have screwed that whole thing up. But to come back and just kind of blitz UTSA in the second half, that's – I mean, I'm not saying that, oh, they're they're back or anything like that, but that's, that's a step in the right direction for them. I think Texas Tech is kind of a bottom-tier team – Donovan Smith's an okay quarterback unless pick, they're going to pick six in the last two two games. Like if if you go to Lubbock and oh. you do that again this weekend, I'm going to say okay, there this is this is something you can work with out of Austin. And I don't know, I'm I'm getting really really excited for uh, the Cotton Bowl, obviously, but just kind of how the entire Big Twelve shapes up here over the next couple of weeks because I think we'll have a better idea again at the end of you know this kind of this run with Oklahoma as they start conference play. Uh, and you know, particularly starting on Saturday night, I I, I think it's going to be fairly interesting to see just how well if if Oklahoma can continue to do it again. Because 
again, I feel like it's a little PTSD that I'm just waiting for something bad to happen. Uh, you're gonna, you're gonna. That's going to be something that OU fans just are going to live with all year. I mean, which is kind of fun. I mean, I, I guess it's kind of like, especially with something like Deuce Vaughn, who's done it to them before. Sure. Yeah. And I think it is with like K State. There is this little bit of a okay, like they and they've done this before. Right? Remember in 2020. They were coming, and I know it was weird because of COVID, but they were coming in and off the loss, loss. against Missouri State. Yep. So they're, they're backs against the wall. That's usually how you see a team respond. Uh, you know, the most dangerous team is a team with their back against the wall. So we'll see. 7 o'clock, uh, Saturday night, Kansas State. Uh, that guarantees one thing, which is Josh will not be on the postgame pod. Uh, he you won't, won't even start till like 3 in the morning. Oh, I know. It's, it's a life we live. Uh, I, I, to do it, I'd be, I'd basically be up for twenty four straight hours because I can almost guarantee I will not get back till about two thirty in the morning from the game I'll be at. Where are you going? So, yeah. So yes, you're. I probably. It looks like I'm going to go over to Austin. Probably okay. going to go get to That's see it? a kind of cool one. Maybe get to see uh, Westlake and Lake Travis. Ooh, that that old. That, that's a yeah, yeah. So that they're could playing be on fun. Saturday night. Um, would be my first time at that one. No, they're playing Friday night, okay. but I wouldn't get in until uh, Saturday morning. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be 24 hours by the time you guys start recording. Oh, so okay. I still that's going to be a no for me. Sense to me but so. he's, I, you're not going to go to sleep when well, you get home? I get yeah, in. Yeah, no, I was like, okay, so what? So, you're going to be at 24? No. Oh, <laughs> well, I'd get a, you're right. I'd get about three hours of sleep. I apologize. I, that three hours will have me fresh and ready. Um, well, but we'll see. I, 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 odds are not. I get up at 6 a.m., brother. I don't... You can sleep you in, are, but you, sir, you have yeah, a late sir. night. Yeah. I mean, we have to... I get no. it. I'll, I'll be up Saturday morning as well. <laughs> I, I, even... Ed, like, like, Carrie, my entire family could leave my I'm house. I'm going to tell you right now, you can keep talking, but no one in this room agrees that you're going do down a positive road right now with your, with your explanation. I'll tell you right now, I'm playing what, in the uh, Chipping Club tournament on Friday... Coming for that ass, Brad Dalkey. Coming for that ass. <laughs> Max McGreevy, better watch out. We got a team. I know that you guys have put together your little professional golfer team. Whatever. All I need is a couple strokes. Noted. That's it. Okay. I'm done. Uh, all right. That's going to do it. Uh, we'll be back again after the game for the post game podcast, the Eskridge Lexus post game podcast. Uh, so thanks to Dead Soxy. Thanks to uh, PrimeShrimp.com. Uh, uh, great sponsors of the uh, program. Uh, and got another sponsor coming up uh, quickly. So we'll let you know about that here in the next week or so. Uh, so thanks everybody for listening. We'll be back again next week for another edition of the Unofficial 40 Podcast from Soonerscoop.com.